All right, repeat after me. Sometimes we need to be extravagant in our generosity. Can you do that? Sometimes we need to be extravagant in our generosity. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes, many times. Too often we are stingy uh, with our gifts. Instead of sharing them kind of like Laura was, we keep it to ourselves and then we end up having nothing at the end. True story number of years ago, there was a man who was kidnapped, a husband who was kidnapped. So the ransom note said $100,000, and you can get your husband back. So many wives out there, how many would you give $100,000 for your husband? Anybody? Going once. All right, there in the back. Good woman. That's my wife. Very good. Good woman. Right. But the wife negotiated. She said he's not worth a hundred grand. So she talked the kidnappers all the way down to thirty. Thirty thousand dollars. Now, happy ending. She paid the ransom. And the husband was returned safely. And, and on top of that, they caught the criminals and they were they were prosecuted, they were put in jail, and they recovered all the money. But can you imagine how the conversation went at home? Honey, the good news, we got you back, and we got all the money. That's wonderful. What was the ransom? A uh, hundred thousand. Wow, I'm worth pretty much. Uh, except I only paid them thirty. What? I only paid them thirty. Can you imagine how the the negotiation went with the kidnappers? You know, a hundred grand is way too much for this guy. I mean, have you seen him lately? He's really falling apart. You know, he's he's got this big old gut. He's not worth a hundred thousand dollars anymore. Maybe. 50, I tell you what, top offer, 30,000, take it or leave it. How would you feel if you were the husband? I would want my wife, I would want my family to give whatever it took, the whole amount, any amount, to show just how much they cared about me. So sometimes we indeed need to be extravagant in our generosity. And that's what our story today is all about. It's a familiar story, uh, the story of of this woman. Now, we need the context. We know that it's Mary, not from the Gospel of Mark that we read, but from the Gospel of John. And we know that Jesus is about a week away from his suffering and his death. He had been through Bethany not too long before this. And we know the miracle where he raised Lazarus from the grave. Now, he wasn't just sick. This wasn't just a healing, as miraculous as that would have been. He'd been dead for four days. The Bible says the body was beginning to stink. He was truly dead. And so, now that he's been raised, Jesus is coming back through town, the same place where Lazarus had risen to Bethany, his good friends Mary and Martha. He's in another person's home at Simon's house. They're throwing a dinner party And Mary comes, the sister of Lazarus. And she comes and she breaks this bottle of perfume. It's meant to be used very, very sparingly over time. We're told that it's worth a full year's wages. And yet she uses it for this moment to anoint the head of Jesus. Maybe out of gratitude, maybe as a, a foreshadowing, the Bible says that this is 
is a foreshadowing of what is going to happen the next week when Jesus' dead body is anointed with spices and, and oils to preserve it. Maybe it's a consecration of sorts for the suffering that Jesus is going to do. Whatever we call it, we know that love is behind all of this. For no act of generosity occurs unless there is love. But it begins, even though it grows out of love, it begins in humility. Mary understood, as we all do from the Bible, that everything that we have comes from God. So turn to the person next to you and say, everything you have comes from God. Can you do that? Everything you have comes from God. So does that mean my body? Say yes. It means this body. Does that mean my talent? Say yes. It means my talent. Does that mean my skills? Yes, it means my skill. It means my house. It means my children. It means my career. All of my blessings, one way or another, have come from God. Now, it's true, we use our talents, our skills, our abilities, and we can hone them, we can develop them. But in the beginning, they come from God. Sure, we, we earn money and we, we use that to take care of our families. But it comes from God. Even this body, even if it's not in perfect shape, Our whole life comes from God. So that is where we begin. And Mary understands that all of her blessings have come down from above. And so it changes changes her focus as it does with us. Our thoughts in our lives then are not focused on us and all that we can get, but rather on God and all that he gives. Now, if we have this kind of mindset, then we're like Mary. Our generosity can lead to joy. The other side of that is the exact opposite, and that is the mindset of someone like Judas, who's stingy. You remember what he said from our reading today? He said all of the money that could have been raised from selling that perfume, it could have been given to the poor. And that's true. That would have been a a good purpose. But Jesus says the poor are always with you meaning that you could always do that. In fact, if you were truly generous, you would have already given to the poor. And not only that, it's, it's not Judas's money in the first place, is it? You notice how quick we can be to give away someone else's money? It's pretty easy to do, but not our own. So Mary has a mindset of extravagance, and it leads to joy. And I can tell you that the most generous people are the most joyous. They are the happiest. They love to give things away. Maybe you have a grandparent like that who's always showering down gifts upon you or upon your children. They just love to give and it brings them joy. And we would, we would love to have that same kind of a mindset. Now, unfortunately, at times the church gets in this stingy mindset as well. And so we withhold our gifts because we say the church really doesn't need it. God doesn't really need it. And we try to keep the bare bones. So there are churches, for example, that will not have flowers, too extravagant. What would it be like if on the Sundays when we had the choir and they didn't have robes, too extravagant? Wouldn't really need an organ or a praise band. We could sing a cappella, right? Too extravagant. 
stained glass windows, steeples, maybe too extravagant. But imagine this, let's say that you are a parent and, well, let's say your daughter comes to you and your daughter says, Mom and Dad, I, I found the, the perfect person, uh, the love of my life. We're going to get married. Uh, what about having uh, a big celebration? How many of you as parents have, have thrown a celebration for your son or your daughter at a wedding? Anybody done that? Anybody gone to a wedding reception? Most of us have done that. It's usually, it's usually a, a grand celebration, and there's, there's all kinds of things that go along with it. We rent out a, a, a reception hall, and we have a band or, or a DJ, and there's dancing, and, and there is wine, and there is drinks. What if none of that occurred? What if when that daughter comes to you and says, Mom and Dad, I want to get married, you're, you're in this stingy mindset, and you say, well, that's great. Why don't you just elope? I mean, it's a whole lot cheaper, right? We don't need to throw a celebration. Just go ahead and get married. Generosity. It grows out of love. You throw that party for your son or your daughter because you love them. You want to send them off with a grand celebration. It begins in humility, knowing that it all comes from God. He's given us these gifts and they're meant to be shared with those who are in need, just to be shared with others so that we can all enjoy the celebration together. So we begin there, grows out of love, but then we continue on. Generosity responds out of gratitude. So Mary, again, she is... She is anointing Jesus because she is thankful. She is grateful. And she recognizes that sometimes words just aren't enough. So again, parents, let me talk to you. What do we always teach our children when they receive a gift? What do you say? Thank you. So someone gives, you know, your children uh, a gift. What do you say? Thank you. Grandma and grandpa give a gift for Christmas, let's say. What do you say? Thank you. A birthday gift? What do you say? Thank you. Now, if it's a wedding or if it's a big gift, and as you grow a little older, we tell our children, and hopefully we practice good etiquette as well, if we get a gift, not only do we say the words, but you do what? You write a thank you note. And it's not just thank you for whatever it is. You say a little bit about it or what you're going to use it for or how it made you feel. It's not just something that you have Xeroxed on a piece of paper that says, thank you. You Put a little thought into it. And if it's a really big gift, what do we often do when someone gives us a gift? We return a gift. Not just quid pro quo so we get another gift, but to show our gratitude. And that's what Mary is doing. Because sometimes just saying the words is not enough. Gratitude knows that something better is coming. There's a cute little story about this woman. She was always the life of the party. She always had a smile on her face. She had a, just a great attitude. Everything was positive all the time. But then she got sick, in fact, so sick that she was going to die. The doctor told her that she had three months. That's it, three months to live. So she did what all of you ought to do. Don't wait till three months before you die. But go to your pastor and help 
plan your funeral service. Would you do that? No, seriously, would you do that? You know, write it all out on a piece of paper. It makes my job so much easier. So that's what she wanted to do. She went to him and she said, I don't want it to be a, a sad day or a somber service. Now, this is not good theology, but she said, if you do that, I'm going to come back and haunt you. Now, that doesn't really happen, but that's what she said. I'm going to come back and haunt you. I want it to be a celebration of life, of the life I have and the life that is to come. So she helped him pick out all the scriptures, all the hymns, all the songs, and she told him what to say and what to do. She said, I want in the coffin with my body, I want you to place a fork in my right hand. A fork? <laughs> Why a fork? And she said, well, you know, at all of our church gatherings, whenever we have meetings, we almost always eat. Isn't that true? Uh, we, always, we have donuts. We have cookies. When we have potlucks, everybody brings something. And what are we doing on Thanksgiving? Bring your forks because we're having pies. And isn't that how it works after the main course? What are they going to say at your Thanksgiving dinner? Hold on to your fork. Why? Because something better is yet to come. Even better than the turkey and the mashed potatoes and all the rest of the fixings, there's pie. So hold on to your fork. So she wanted the pastor to put that fork in her hand, and then when everyone would come in and see her body, they would see the fork, they would wonder, What's that all about? And then in the message, he would say, this woman has had a beautiful life, a blessed life. God has showered his blessings down upon her, but the best is yet to come. There's something better, and that will be heaven. Gratitude. And you don't have to wait till you're dead <laughs> to express it. Gratitude knows that something better is coming. We have a God who loves us so much that he has something better planned for us. But generosity also responds because it does something in us as well. Another story, there was a, a Native American tribe that had, this was well before the Europeans came to America and they, they lived in the state of Mississippi, this tribe, and they were along the banks of, of a river that had a rather strong current. And they always told their young ones, don't get too close, don't fall in, because if you do, the current will take you away and you'll probably drown. Well, as the story goes, one time there was another tribe, a hostile tribe, and they attacked the first tribe, and, well, they really had no recourse but to cross the river. They were backed up. They couldn't fight. They were going to lose. And so the leadership came together. And they huddled together and they said, now the prudent thing, the reasonable thing, the expedient thing to do would be to simply leave behind the weak, the children, the elderly, those who were already wounded, the ones who were sick. They're going to die anyway. Why risk those who are strong, who could get away, who could cross the river at the expense of those who cannot. But the chief, he says, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to be extravagant in our plan. 
And so this is what they did. The strong waded into the river. They waded into the current. And they placed the weak, the children, the elderly, the sick, and the injured on their shoulders. And this is what they discovered. When they began to cross the river, when normally they would have been taken away by the current, now they had stronger footing. And they were able to cross the strong with the weak on their shoulders. Gratitude not only knows that something better is coming, but sometimes it can literally save ourselves. You know what the, the greatest obstacle to having a, a lasting relationship with Jesus is? It's our own greed. It's our sense of self-sufficiency. It's the belief that everything that we have comes from us and we don't need God at all. But as we give and as we give generously, as we understand and recognize that all that we have comes from God and it is, it is meant to be shared, then that obstacle, that greed, is quickly removed. Generosity literally can save us from ourselves. Finally, as we take a look at our story today, we see these words of Jesus. He says, I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, and we can add whenever, 2,000 years later, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. We are, according to Jesus, we are to celebrate generosity. We're to celebrate what people have done above and beyond their ability to give. And we have many people here in this church who have done that. And I could list their names here today, but I'm not going to because I would embarrass them. But I think it's okay 2,000 years after they're dead so we can list Mary's name today. And maybe in 25 years or so, when we celebrate the 175th anniversary of Emmanuel, maybe we can mention your name. Unless you're still alive, of course. We have had so many people here at Emmanuel who have given generously and and allowed us to to build this building to, to beautify our campus, to send missionaries to Africa and to Haiti, to build houses in Tijuana. As you look at the board over there to provide for the comfort dog that will bring peace to so many, to dig wells in the Sudan, and even smaller gifts for the food pantry that you brought this week, the toys for Operation Christmas Child, so that children all over the world will experience the joy of Christmas and to know that there truly is a God who loves them. Generosity. It needs to be celebrated. What Mary has done, what you have done, what countless Christians have done, but more than anything else, the generosity of our God. For that is where it all 
begin. We have a God. We have a Savior who did not haggle with the Father when he pointed down to all of us and to all generations and he said, you need to go down. You need to humble yourself. You need to give up your crown of glory and take up the cup of suffering so that all of them could live and have a relationship with me forever. Jesus did not haggle and he didn't say, they're not worth it. But instead he said, they are worth every drop of my blood, every ounce of my being, and I will go all the way to death for them. That's how generous our God is. And finally, when we celebrate our generosity, we're really celebrating his, aren't we? That he shares all of his good gifts with us. And out of gratitude and love, we return some to him through the church. So I pray for all of you, for your sake, that you would grow in generosity and know the joy of giving as you consider whatever pledge that you might make to the work of God through Emmanuel in this coming week, and as you consider what you might give. I pray that you would indeed experience that joy of giving. Amen? Amen. Let's all rise.